0: Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen today. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you. If you have any questions about today's message, please contact us we're here to help now sit back and join us for the next few minutes it's day three live and it starts right now
1: good morning take your bible and turn to psalm 46 that's where we'll be uh this morning uh, before we get into any of the scriptures at all um I was a little bit resistant uh, to Psalm 46 because it seemed like in my life, uh, I've preached it several times. Uh, I've got a personal attachment to it. Uh, right after i had been called in the ministry, my mother gave me uh, an Old New Testament that belonged to my grandmother that had the Psalms attached to it. And uh, I was sleeping through it one day, and besides Psalm 46, my grandmother had written a date. Uh, so I didn't know what the date was, and I looked at the front of that New Testament And the date she had received the New Testament was later than the date that she had written by the Psalms. So that kind of spurred my interest, what had happened on that date. And as I began looking into it, I found out that was the day my grandfather died with a stroke before I was even born. Her husband had died. So she found some comfort and strength uh, in Psalm 46. So hopefully we can do that today and uh, and you can find some comfort and strength in, in that direction. Uh, I'm not going to read all the psalms to start with. I originally had it in the the PowerPoint presentation, and I was, but we'll just read it as we go uh, through the message. Today we're going to talk about being still uh, and trusting in God because God is enough, and that parenthetical bracket is the main thing maybe I want you to get this morning. Uh, The psalm is going to tell us a lot of really great stuff. It's going to talk about God being our refuge and strength, it's going to talk about God being a very present help in trouble, so He's there available for us. It's going to talk about God being enough for us, no matter what kind of chaos may be taking place in our world. Uh, and we'll go into what a lot of Bible scholars think is the background in that passage of Scripture. It's going to tell us to be still uh, and understand that God is enough, to be still and uh, know that God is God and that He'll be exalted uh, in the earth. Uh, I think a lot of times the way we have approached Psalm 46 is that people will use the verse that says, be still and know that God is God, in a way that we think that means we're to uh, retreat off to ourselves, just be quiet, be still, tune out all the noise in the world and and just uh, know God and listen to Him. And, And while we ought to do that, that's not necessarily what this Psalm is saying, and you'll understand that when we get to that part. Of the scriptures. Uh, This psalm does not give us a head in like some psalms do. Uh, It's not a psalm of David, at least we're not told it's a psalm of David. A lot of Bible scholars believe that actually King Hezekiah, because he was a poet also, wrote Psalm 46, Psalm 47, and Psalm 48. And a lot of Bible scholars attach Psalm 46 to a particular time period in the reign of King Hezekiah. And you can, even though we're not told that in the heading, you can see the similarities between the story in Hezekiah's life in the city of Jerusalem that we're going to look at and what's said here in Psalm 46. It makes me think, might very well be, Hezekiah was inspired of God to write these words based upon uh, some events that happened in the city of Jerusalem. Here's what the event was. There's a brutal army called the Assyrian army that was on the way to try and, Sack the city of Jerusalem to try and destroy the city of Jerusalem to take captive the inhabitants. They had been defeating the surrounding nations and surrounding large cities, and the news had gotten back to Hezekiah in Jerusalem, and they were worried about it uh, because of the brutality of the Assyrians. They they would even do things to intimidate the enemy. Uh, like go and, and leave some engraved uh, stone tablets outside the city that depicted what they were going to do to the people inside. They sent a message in advance to Jerusalem Saying, if, if, if you do not go ahead and surrender to us, we're going to lay siege to the city. and You're going to starve to death. You're not going to have anything to drink. And guys, I'm not trying to be improper, but here's literally what the king of Assyria told them. You're going to drink your own urine because you're not going to have any water to drink. Now, God had a different plan. You know, we'll tell that story in just a minute about how they did have water. But to just give you an idea of how brutal the Assyrians were, I want to show you some tablets that has been discovered in the past that represent things the Assyrians would do. <clears throat> in this tablet, here you see them dismembering a person, and then over here you see someone being impaled. Now, I'll just tell you what that means in a moment, because in the next slide, you see three men being impaled by the Assyrians. Now, being impaled meant this. They took a long, sharp stick, and they ran it up your backside, up through your body, and you just hung there. They did that while you are alive, and you hung there until you died. Nice people, huh? That's the way they would come in and treat their enemies. Another picture shows this that they would do to their enemies. They are flaying to, to death. In other words, they are skinning alive some of their captives and they would skin them alive and just let them suffer and die. Sometimes they would take the ears off of their captives or the noses off their captives and make a necklace and wear it around their neck to show how brutal that they were, to depict to, to, to everyone how, uh, how much of a terror uh, they, they ought to be to their enemy. And then this last one here, or not the last, I think there may be one more, but uh, this one here, Uh, shows them with a captive, and they're making the captive grind the bones of his own children. That's pretty pretty wicked people, isn't it, to do things like that? And then the last slide down at the bottom, that's heads. Uh, They would collect the heads of their enemies uh, also and make a collection out of them. So that's the enemy that's on the way to try and take captive the people in Jerusalem. So needless to say, Hezekiah was concerned about it. The people of Jerusalem were concerned about it. And many people see some similarities between this story and what is said in Psalm 46. Psalm 46, I think, is a definite call for us to trust in God. This is the last message in our series about trust. Next week, and I'll kind of give you a heads up, next week we'll be in Isaiah 58. We're going to start a new series entitled Seriously Serving. Next week, I'm going to talk about, uh, be, talk about something that you probably really don't like to do, and, and that's to fast and go without food, huh? Well, fasting can involve more than that. But I do want you maybe to read Isaiah 58 in advance, and I want you to be praying and say, God, what do I need to give up the following week? Just to show God you're serious that you're wanting to hear from Him. You see, guys. fasting. A lot of people look at fasting like this. They look at fasting as though, well, if I do this, I can get God to do me, do for me what I want God to do. That's not fasting. Fasting ought to humble our hearts where we do what God wants us to do. Amen? So be thinking about that in advance before we get into this new series. It's going to be called Seriously Serving, and we're going to focus on it probably for about 10 or, or 11 weeks. What I want us just to do today, though, is think about – how we need to be still, and how we need to trust God and understand that God is enough. And and I want you to notice three important reasons, three main reasons for us to trust in God, be still and trust in God, and believe that God is enough for whatever we're going through. I I want to give one more kind of prelude before I, I jump into the outline of the sermon today, and that is this. The sermon today is not in response to what's happening at the Capitol this week. This was on the agenda weeks ago, but God knew. God knew the chaos of 2020. God knew the way we may be feeling today, and we need to understand God's enough, amen, for whatever it is we're going through. Here's reason number one why we ought to be still and know that God's enough. When facing a crisis, God is enough. When we're when going through some type of, of crisis situation, whatever it might be in your life, or in our world, or in our culture, or in Washington, D.C., we need to recognize God is enough no matter what kind of crisis we may be going through. Now, in verse 1 through 3, Kelly talks about a crisis situation. It starts out saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then guys, three times in this psalm, you're going to see the word Shelah, which really means this. It means to just stop and think about what you just heard. So think about that. We're told God is our refuge and strength, no matter how bad it might get, no matter what the crisis might be. If you and I were to be standing somewhere and all of a sudden, the earth that we think of as being a firm place started to shake, and all of a sudden we saw mountains, and the word here means mountain ranges. We're seeing mountain ranges being lifted up and cast into the sea, and as a result of that happening, you're probably going to get what? A tsunami happened as a result of it, a, you know, taking place, a tidal wave taking place as a result of it. You're standing there, and you're watching all that. That's kind of a crisis, isn't it? But we have many crises that that can just be a, a figurative speech for, that, that we're going through a, a crisis. In those three verses, I want you to notice three things. <clears throat> First of all, who God is to those who trust him. I know we've talked about this a whole lot in this series, but we need to remember, if we're going to trust him, we need to know who he is. Amen? And here it tells us, those who trust him, this is who God is. God is our refuge, <clears throat> and God is our our strength. Here, the the word for God is Elohim. It talks about the supreme God. And the word is literally means toward or in the direction of. So so this verse of Scripture is telling us the all-powerful God. He is toward us as our refuge, as our high tower As our place of safety, God God is toward us in that way. And he's our strength. You could put it like this. God is toward us as being our strong shelter. Second thing I want you to see in these three verses is is this. We we see who God is to those who trust in him, but, but what God is or what God does for those who trust him. It says he's a very present help in trouble. The phrase in there in the Hebrew, the word "very" means that that vehemently so. God is really, really, really a, a very present help. By the way, the root word and kind of park this way in your mind for a minute. The root word means to kind of rake together the coals or rake together the embers of a fire. Just kind of remember that. We'll come back to it in a moment. So here we're we're being told that that, that God is a very present help. He's available to us in in a speedy way. God is there to. Help us, and the word help means to surround on all sides. Is a word we've seen several times in this series when we're going through times of trouble. The word trouble literally means tightness. You ever had any tightness in your life? How about this past year? How about this past week? Maybe this morning, huh? You know, rushing around getting ready to go to church, and you all act like you love each other extremely. You love Jesus, and you love your family, and you're running late, and you never argue or anything on the way to church, Amen. The the word here for trouble means tightness, or it means to be pushed into a corner. You've got an opponent kind of getting in your space, or in your face. The the word also is translated sometimes a pebble in your shoe. We've probably all had that happen. You get a rock in your shoe, it's not fun. It's not something you want to just leave there. You kind of want to hurry up and get it out because it's uncomfortable. And the same word was used for someone poking you with a knife or pointing into your flesh with a tip of a knife, all that uncomfortable stuff that you'd want to get away from. But it's just a picture of, of trouble in general. And, and it's telling us that God is with us. God is there. God is available to us. Now I told you a minute ago to park in your mind the idea of raking the coals together. Guys, here's why I, I want you to park that in your mind just for a minute. Whether you recognize it or not, or whether you remember it or not, because a lot of times you'll let your circumstances make you forget this, but I want you to know something. God is always there. Amen? And what we need to do sometimes is rake together the coals of our memory or the coals of our relationship or the fire of our relationship. We need to stoke that flame a little bit, we need to remember he's there. No matter what it is we're going through, we need to understand that He is there with us. And and there's a third thing I want you to see in these first three verses, and and the third thing I want you to see is this, how those who trust God should respond in a crisis. In other words, if you really have faith in God, if you're really trusting God, when a crisis hits you, how are you supposed to act? How are you supposed to respond? Well, look what the Bible says there, therefore... Now, you've heard me say this before. When you see the word therefore in the Bible, go and look and see what it's there for. So here it's pointing you back to God being your refuge, God being your strength, God being your very present help in a time of trouble. Because God is those things, therefore we will not fear. We don't have to be paralyzed with fear. We don't have to be afraid no matter what type of crisis we're going through. He, he gives us kind of a picture of things. Though so the earth gives way. The word earth in the Hebrew literally means to be firm. This past year, does it feel like some things that you thought were firm aren't firm anymore? Huh. Shaking around a little bit? The, the things I mentioned a moment ago, guys, if we were to literally be standing and seeing things like that happen, the mountain ranges being thrown into the sea and the, the, the ocean being, being turbulent and everything, it might even refer to a volcano taking place because it talks about glowing with redness, the Hebrew word. But if we were to see all of that happening, that, that's a crisis situation. And many of us have been in crisis mode this year. A lot of people have been in crisis mode this year, and we need to remember something. When facing a crisis, God is enough. Let the world shake. Let kingdoms rage. Let, let whatever is going on in our world happen. That doesn't mean God's not on his throne. That doesn't mean that God's not noticing. It doesn't mean that God's not a, enough for us. Second main thing this morning I want you to see from this passage of scriptures, verse 4 through 6. And that is when needing peaceful provision, God is enough. When you're needing some peace in your life, when you're needing some provisions in your life, God is enough. Look at verse 4 through 6. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns the nations raise the kingdom's totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. Some people debate whether or not this was talking about Jerusalem or whether it's talking about the heavenly city eventually. I think it's probably talking about both. But to help to begin to see an analogy as to why some people leave Psalm 46, it goes back to this time in Hezekiah when the Syrian army was on the way in, is because of what the Assyrian army would do. One of the first things they would do when they laid siege to a city, they would cut off the water supply. If there was not a water supply inside the city, if the water supply was outside the city, the Syrian army would cut it off and kind of try and starve the people out that's inside the city. Well, if you know anything about Jerusalem, there's not really a river that runs through the wall city of Jerusalem. And the word for stream here doesn't necessarily mean a river it can also mean just any type of water, but it's also translated a, a channel of water. As you take time and read the history of the Assyrian army on the way in. Hezekiah knew their practices. He knew that they would try and cut off the water supply. And guys, you've got to factor in the time period. Back then, it took a while for them to go and lay siege to a nation or siege to a city and defeat them. So word would travel and he had advanced notice of it. Here's what Hezekiah had people to do. He had his soldiers to go out and build a fortress around the water spring, the main springs that supplied water for the city of Jerusalem. He had that built and fortified and protected. And then they dug a channel underground that brought water into the city of Jerusalem. So that's why they could be happy and be filled with glee, even though there might be an enemy out there because they had a stream of water coming in. Now, the Bible also said that God is in the midst of her. So in the city of Jerusalem, that's where the temple was, and people would look at the temple as though that were the presence of God, and that God was there in the middle of the city, and that would encourage the people, well, we have water coming in, God's in the midst of us, so we don't have to worry about being moved, we don't need to be so fearful. So let the nations rage; let them do whatever they want to do, because God's in the midst of us, we're just going to trust in him. Now, you may be wondering, what's the application for us? I think the application for us in this day and time is something like this. God has given us a great provision. The city of Jerusalem had provision. God's given us many provisions. But the ultimate provision God has given us is a stream that flows from Calvary. The blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins that Jesus shed on the cross. And because of that blood that is shed for us, we can be happy no matter what's taking place. We can be confident no matter what's taking place in our world. No matter what is going on, we can be still and know that God is God. We can trust in God because we understand what God has done for us. There's a flow, a stream of red blood from Jesus' veins that won the victory for us. And because of what Jesus has done for us, we've got the ultimate reason to be glad. The city could be glad because they had a river coming in and because they viewed God as being in the midst of her. Well, there's a greater stream that we're talking about that represents what God has done for us, but also the application is this for us. God doesn't inhabit buildings anymore. Now, the people in that damn time would have thought, well, hey, over here's the temple that represents God being in the midst, God being inside the temple, His presence being with us. That's not what God does anymore. Some people act like they think that's what God does. I've got news for you. I hope this doesn't blow your mind. I hope you don't go home just sad and all brokenhearted today. But when we leave today and we lock the doors of this building and there's no one in here, God's not in here hanging out. You want to know why he's not in here hanging out? Because the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, he indwelled you. He doesn't indwell buildings anymore. So, if the city of Jerusalem could be confident because God was in the midst of her, how much more confidence should we have because God is inside of us? And if God is in the midst of us, guys, that also means this He's also in the midst of whatever we're facing. He's also with us in whatever's going on in our world. Let them go crazy in Washington, D.C., or all across the world, or whatever. God is inside of us if you know Him as your Savior. And if you don't know him as your Savior, it's time for you to take care of that problem so you have God with you through all the junk that's going on in the world. So you can have a peaceful provision if you'll really, really, really trust in God. When you're needing peaceful provision in your life, God is enough. It said, let the nations raise, the kingdoms totter. Look what it said God has to do. He utters his voice,
2: and the earth melts. <laughs> People are worried about China or worried about Korea or worried about our
1: own nation or worried about what political parties might do and not do. Guys, I've got news for you. God's in charge. The only thing he has to do is just speak the word. Just speak the word and he can change circumstances. He can defeat enemies just by speaking the word. Last thing I want you to see this morning is this. First one is when you're facing a crisis, God is enough. Second thing was when you're needing some peaceful provision in your life that I am assuming all of us have been needed in this year, God is enough. The last thing I want you to see is this. When dealing with intimidating, seemingly impossible circumstances, God is enough. King Hezekiah and the people in Jerusalem were facing what seemed to be impossible circumstances. Intimidating circumstances. They'd already been sent tablets showing this is what we're going to do to you. When we get through with you, they had reason to be concerned, reasons to be worried. And it seemed like, just within their own resources, it looked impossible that they could defeat this brutal Syrian army, a Syrian army that was on the way. So, let me give you some background verses to this story, because I've just been talking through it until now. I'll give you some background verses that came Hezekiah and the Syrian army. Then we'll get back to Psalm 46 in verse 7 through 11. In 2 Chronicles 32, it's talking about Hezekiah. said, He appointed military officers over the people and gathered them to him in the square at the city gate. And he spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the hordes that is with him for the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God that helped us fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Don't you wish we'd have people to speak encouraging words to us? Don't you wish we could really rely on the words of politicians and what they say to us? Here's some more background. This is where Hezekiah prayed and asked for God's help. 2 Kings 19, verse 15 through 19. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, and he said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, and that's the king of the Assyrians, which he has sent, notice this, notice how Hezekiah words this, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Now, I'll stop back reading in just a moment. But that's important the way Hezekiah addresses God. He didn't say, God, I want you to take care of the Assyrian army because the Assyrian king has sent mean words to me and he has reproached me. That's not what he said. You see what he's doing? He's putting the glory of God at stake. He's saying, God, this Assyrian king has sent words to reproach you. You're the one that's the king. You're the one that's in charge. You're the one that created heaven and earth. And God, this Assyrian king has sent words to reproach the living God. Then look at verse 17. Truly, Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands. They have cast their gods, the false gods, of these surrounding nations into the fire, for they were not gods, but they were the work of men's hands, wood, and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now look at verse 19. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray save us from his hand, notice the motive, (laughs) that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Do you see that? Guys, here's the way to pray when you're going through impossible circumstances, when you're facing crisis, when when you're facing intimidating things in your life. Don't make it about you. Make it about the glory of God. Ask God not to move so you can go around and say, see there, I call him God and look what God did for me. No, that's not what it's about. Ask God to move in such a way that all the people, all the nations of the world will know that God is in charge, that that God is controlled. control. That's the way for us to pray. If you want to see change in our land, change in America, change in our world, we need to pray with the glory of God at stake, not the way we feel about things. That's the way we need to be praying. Then look at the answer that God gives. Second Kings 19, verse 35. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel, one angel, the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses,
2: all dead. Come behold the works of the Lord. <laughs> that's what Isaiah 46 is saying. Hey, as a matter of fact, the, the, the tense and the way that's
1: used means this I want you to come, I want you to walk over here, and I want you to bring all your senses with you. Come with me. Come over here, and I want you to look outside the wall of Jerusalem and notice what the angel of the Lord did, what God did last night. In that army that seems so threatening so intimidating, 185,000 are laying
2: dead outside the walls of the city. We need to... Understand how great our God is, how powerful our God
1: is, and we need to look for God and how God's working and how God's moving. And when He said, "Come here," I want you to see this. It might have been an intimidating thing in your life. It might look like an impossible circumstance in your life. Let's pack, pick back up on on Psalm forty-six, verse seven through eleven. Notice how verse 7 and 11 are similar. To me, it's like bookends holding a lot of truth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Once again, that little word, Selah, think about what you just heard. Come behold the works of the Lord, what I just demonstrated for you a moment ago, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. Both in verse 7 and in verse 11, when it says the Lord of hosts is with us, it's saying the self-existent eternal God that's always been, that always will be. He is the Lord of hosts, which really in this instance, I think it's saying this, he's the Lord of all heaven, all the hosts of heaven. And it says he is with us. And here, listen to this. This I'll encourage you. <laughs> the word with means he's equally with. Think about that. Just as God is with the host of heaven, he's with you. Just as God was with all the hosts of heaven, he was with Jerusalem. He was with Hezekiah. And he helped them with that seemingly impossible circumstance. In the same way, the God of all the universe, the God of all the hosts of heaven, he's equally with you just as much as he with the angels. God is with you. God is your refuge and your strength, your fortress. He's your cliff, your lofty, inaccessible place. He's your high tower. So look at what God has done. Look at the performance of God. Look at how he caused desolations. That meant to stun or or stupefy. Can you imagine being the Assyrians and they thought they had such an upper hand and God sends one angel? Would that not stun them just a
2: little bit? He makes the wars to cease. And and because God is the God that can do all
1: these things, then we're told this, be still and know that God is God. I told you earlier, I, I think when we say be still and we use it like this in this psalm, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying it's not what the psalm is teaching. It doesn't necessarily mean we need to go off to a quiet place and just be still before God and listen. Because the word be still, here's what it means in this passage of Scripture. It literally means this, kindly. Take your hands off of it. Cease trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to control it. Stop thinking you can fix it. Instead, you need to take your hands off of it and know that God is God. In in other words, Hezekiah and, and you in Jerusalem, this Assyrian army coming in, it's beyond your pay grade, but it's not beyond my pay grade. you prayed and you asked me to move and I'm going to move, but you just take your hands off of it and you stand back and behold the glory of God. And he prayed one prayer and, and God sent
2: one angel in and, and killed 185,000 people. I so said,
1: that's great for Hezekiah and Jerusalem, but what about us? He's still the same God. Our problem is probably this. You ever have a problem with controlling stuff? Want to turn loose or something? You want to be in control? You want to feel like you can fix it now? You want to feel like you can do something with it now? I feel like that every time I send for the news. I want to duct tape someone's mouth shut. <laughs>
2: I want to fix it now.
1: problem is it's beyond my pay grade. All the stuff that's been going on in our world in 2020 that you want to see go away, that you want to change, that you want to fix. Hey, maybe the stuff that happened this past week in the Capitol building. I've got news for you. All that's beyond your pay grade. You can't fix it. You can't control
2: it. And the Democrats and the Republicans can't fix it either. You need to turn loose of it. And trust
1: God to fix it. Pray pray for God to move and, and God to fix it. Because he said there, I will be exalted in the earth. God will fix it, but he's not fixing it for you. And this might step on somebody's toes. God will fix it, but he's not fixing it for your political party. This might step on more people's toes. God will fix it, but God is not fixing it just for America. I had the privilege a few weeks ago to hear a missionary standing here where I'm standing now speaking to a group of men. that's called the Brotherhood Night, Brother Night, that, that meets uh, about once a month. And this particular missionary is a missionary to... Muslims in the Middle East, and this might sound strange to you, but he said, that's my home now, not here, because that's where God's placed me, and then he he literally kind of put a lot of us in our place. He said, America, we've got this good old boy theology that says this, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm an American first. If that's what you believe, you've got it all messed up and all screwed up. If you're a Christian, that's what matters most. You're a Christian first, not an American. God's not going to fix it just for America or for some other country or for some political party. God's going to move in a way that exalts himself in the earth. That's how God's going to move. And that's why we need to seek God in such a way and be still before him and take our hands off of it and understand that we need to trust in God. I've already said most of this, but just where you clearly get it, I want to just read through some statements and then close. Hezekiah prayed one prayer that we know of from the Bible about this situation. He prayed one prayer about the Assyrian army. God sent one angel. That's all it took. One angel to kill 185,000 of the enemy. That same God is your God today. If you know Christ as your Savior. That's why we need to trust Him. God proved that He was enough. Those brackets of verse 7 and verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our our fortress. God proved that He was enough because in the middle of all that, He was stopping wars. He was burning chariots. He was breaking the bow asunder. Everything that's said there. And what you and I need to do is learn to be still and take our hands off of whatever it is that's worrying us and bothering us and intimidating us. We need to learn to be still and know that God is God and trust Him to act. You can't fix it. You can't control it. But He controls all things. All the chaos you've been seeing in the world, He's still on the throne and I've got news for you. One day, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and He'll be on the throne and rule everything perfectly forever. But The main thing I want you to get, guys, is this. God will be glorified through it all. If that's the case, (laughs) instead of us being so worried about the things that we hear about in the news, so worried about the pandemic, so worried about the political scene, instead of being so worried about all that, Maybe we ought to view it like this. If God's going to be glorified through it all, that's the most important thing. I need to keep my eye on the fact that God's going to be glorified through it all. So what's happening right now really, really doesn't matter. In fact, it's just a platform for God to show up
2: and show his glory and be exalted in the earth. Be still and know... That God is God.
1: Can we close this worship service by doing something that's unusual for people to do? I want to ask everyone here to agree about one thing. Now that's hard to get done even in your own home, isn't it? <laughs> and if you've ever been to a Baptist business meeting, you know it's hard to get done. Sometimes in a church. I want to see if we all can agree on one thing this morning before we leave. God is enough. Can we agree about that? God is enough for whatever's going on outside these walls, whatever's going on in our world, God is enough. And we need to be still and trust in Him. Hezekiah prayed the one prayer, God sent one angel and changed
2: everything. You don't understand how important you are to God. God didn't
1: send one angel. God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. God sent his son for you. That's how important you are.
2: What does it matter about all the rest of the stuff? Amen. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for us being so distracted
1: and maybe feeling like we're so defeated in the things that's been going on in our world or on the political scene or whatever else might be challenging us. Whatever crisis we may be going through, God, help us to realize you're enough. God, when we're needing provision and peace in our lives, you're enough. Because of that stream that flows from Calvary, you proved your love for us. Father, whatever intimidating impossible circumstances we might ever face in our lives or are facing now, we need to recognize you're enough and be willing just to trust you and take our hands off of it.
2: understanding that you're going to be exalted and you're going to be glorified through whatever happens.
1: Father, if there's somebody in this place this morning that doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray you draw them to yourself. Give them the faith they need to trust in Jesus. Help them right now to recognize they need to be still and they they need to take their hands off their own life. They can't fix it. They can't control it. But you can, Father, give them the faith they need to trust in what Jesus did on the cross for them. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. During this time of invitation, guys, I really think this, in light of the news, in light of what we've been seeing take place this past week, we need to pray for our nation. It wouldn't hurt one bit for every person here to either get on this altar or around the wall or if you have to do it in your seat. It wouldn't hurt one bit during this invitation for us to pray for our country. Not pray for some president or some non-president. We need to pray for God to be glorified in our nation, in our world, and in our lives. So, maybe during this invitation, it's a time for you to move somewhere and pray. Maybe a time for you as an individual to say, God, I've, I've really let all this stuff bother me. God, I've tried to control it. God, help me to take my hands off and trust you. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not do that today? <laughs> why not get the ultimate helper that you could have, the one that surrounds you? The one that's your refuge and your strength that's available, help to you. Why not trust in Him this morning? Please stand. If God speaks to you in any way, we invite you to come.
0: Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.